That song from Studio 720 means we are officially in episode 22 of the Crazy Damn Canadians podcast. Don Chamberlain, it is an honor for all of us, for Dave, Andrew, myself to have you in the studio today. You were with the school district for 34 years. 22 of those 34 years were spent in the heart and 13 years as principal of Kelly Road Secondary School. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. You've, you've done your homework. You know more about me than I do. <laughs> <laughs> so, Don, we're going to bring things back to the, the early days, because I actually don't know, and I, I don't know if you do either, Dave. No Are you from Prince George? Were you born here? No, I was born in Medicine Hat, Alberta. Um, my dad was in the Air Force then. And recent, well, they've been mom and dad have been married for a year, of course, over a year, but... Um, so I was born there at two years old. Uh, the the war was winding down, and my dad uh, moved us all out to Vancouver. Um, my brother was just about four or five months old, and I was just over two. And uh, we kind of lived out with her, my uh, grandma and grandpa. Met my dad's best friend next door, and uh, that's where I got to. And then from Vancouver, um, well, we were there. Uh, lived up by Empire Stadium for years, and then we moved out into Surrey in about 1953 because um, my dad worked at <coughs> at a bakery as a mechanic and and a steam engineer, and uh, they got locked out uh, this one summer because uh, the bakers were on strike, and without much money, he said we're going to rent our house out in Vancouver to so we can get money for groceries, look after you kids. So here's a little story I tell my grandkids. We ended up in a nine by 12 canvas tent in Semiamo Bay in White Rock and lived there for the whole summer. Uh, no camping gear, because we just came out of a house and didn't have that much, and uh, so dad had a Coleman stove and we used our mattresses and stuff from our, from our home. And when it rained, of course the canvas tent got wet, everything got soaked, so we, when it cleared up, we'd hang stuff out there. It was a dollar a day, so we stayed there for the whole summer. And at the end of the summer, um, about a week before school was to start, Dad said, uh, well, I guess we better find a place to live. So he went and he found this house for about, I think he's paid about 1500 bucks for it, an old house sitting out on the middle of a farm. The farmer had sold his land, and um, people were... Uh, buying lots there for 50 bucks a lot. In the Lower Mainland? Yeah, this is in Surrey. In Surrey? Yep. <laughs> 50 uh, bucks a lot. Yeah, and he uh, bought this house and it was just a 1928 house that the fellow that bought the property moved it into the middle of the subdivision and was just sitting on a foundation. No boards on it, nothing. Uh, broken windows, no door, and uh, no water, no sewer, uh, no electricity but it was a place to live. And so that's when my Surrey years started, when I'm from about 12 until I graduated from university. And you went to university at UBC? Yep. Yeah. And yep. then was there, a after that, job opportunities up north, or did you stay in the Lower Mainland for a while? Well, no. <laughs> at uh, UBC, they uh, every spring they had what they called the meat market, and they opened up the armories to all the school districts in British Columbia. And uh, so us teachers, uh, or prospective teachers, almost a teacher, um, we would wander, th wander through th uh, th the field house there at UBC. And uh, 
every, just about every school district was looking for young guys and girls and um, me being a, a jock and, uh, and in, in elementary education because I decided that's where I wanted to go because I loved the, the young kids. Um, they, uh, you stop at every booth, or not every booth, but quite a few, and they're out there flagging you down, trying to stop and talk to you. Uh, I had about six or seven job offers that day, and as I'm walking along, the final place I ended up uh, wandering into my uh, math teacher and basketball coach when I went to Queen Elizabeth High School in Surrey, and uh, it was George Bevan. He was the principal at PGSS. And he says, oh, hi, Don. So we start chatting. And then the next thing, he's introduced me to the superintendent of schools, Dave Todd, and to uh, an elementary principal that uh, was Will Weens. He was uh, a senior principal here in Prince George. And he lays out the plans for Spruce Land Elementary School and says, uh, this is a brand new school. I'm the senior principal. If you come and work with us, you can have whatever you like to do your job. And so uh, they wanted, of course, like every other district, wanted to sign you up on the spot. So I said, uh, well, I'd like to think about it because i got lots of other things here. But they were really nice people. And, and of course, knowing Mr. Bevan was really fantastic. So um, I thought of it overnight, went down the next morning. They invited me for breakfast. It took me, uh, I didn't sleep very much. But anyway, uh, that morning I went in and uh, chatted with Will some more. And he's telling me what a fantastic place Prince George was and so on and so on. And so I signed up and that's how I'm here. <coughs> so, so you were in Prince George for your entire teaching career then? Yep, came here in 66, September 66, and, and uh, retired in 99 at Kelly Road. So Spruceland would have been year one out of 34 with the school district? Yep, yep. Well, so how old were you when you graduated from university? Uh, let's see now, <laughs> 24. 24? Yep. Yep. Man, do you think it's still the same where teachers get that level of opportunity still, or is there or is it different now? Do you think? Because I don't sense that you'd get six offers to teach, if anything. <laughs> well, in those days, it was supply and demand, I think, and and BC was importing teachers and did for several years after that from the, the <coughs> UK, from Australia all over the world and um, major shortage yeah major shortage of teachers and we've gone through cycles like that over the since I've started too and um, so uh, that's why I came and uh, and uh, Prince George we uh, well I'd met my wife just prior to, to my graduation and uh, talked her into into coming up talked to her because well I had the job I had the job <laughs> so she had to come that so how many that. years married now too many. No, no, that's what she'd say. Uh, let's see, uh, 67, 54, 54 years. Awesome. Married, yep. Congrats. Oh, so thanks. you came wow. up in 1965? 66. 66. And yep. we just had Dick Vonnegene on the podcast last week. Of, oh, he turned 89 on Saturday. Happy birthday, Dick. And he came up in 1965, so a year prior to you. And he mentioned, as well as several other people that came up during the 60s to Prince George, that it was the wild, wild west back then. Yep, absolutely. And... Um, Several of the teachers, well, all the teachers at Spruceland were new. Nearly all of them were new to town. Um, good friends with all of them still. And <coughs> and I guess uh, I stayed at Spruceland for three years. They were, uh, the school district was after me after my second year to go into administration. 
and that's one of the things that Will Weens told me when, I, when he interviewed me in Vancouver. He says, you'll be an administrator before long if you come to Prince George. But that wasn't why I came. I came because fantastic school, and we were, we were on shift, actually, until um, May of uh, 67 when we walked the kids over to Spruce Land Elementary. Did you know during those first few years in Prince George that you were going to stay here long term, or did you think, we'll be here for a few years and then maybe move out of the city? Didn't think much about it. I was just in, uh, up to my ears in teaching, and uh, when we started our family, I knew this was a good place to be. I love hunting and fishing and sports. Those are pretty well my life, and uh, so I never thought about moving, although I was offered jobs uh, over time uh, after uh, we got involved in some special programs that started here in Prince George. Uh, was offered jobs in Chilliwack and Kelowna and Vernon and so on, but... Turned them all down. Well, we, we was close to go to Kelowna once um, because they kind of wooed me when I went and did some workshops for them and they showed me around uh, what a, a nice place it was. And what year was that? That would have been about 1976, 77, somewhere. In Imagine no, sorry, no, 77. Sorry, 76, yeah. 77. Imagine this community lost on at that time. Yeah. Wow. Well, they would have probably been lucky because there'd be uh, lots of other good people have come here and they, they take over. <laughs> it's all good. So <laughs> when you were 24 years old and you're already getting groomed for administration, that, that first of all, sounds really unusual to me. Like, I can't imagine today saying we know a 24-year-old's going to be administration. <clears throat> what was it about you, do you think, that made them start saying that? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I just did a whole bunch of stuff. Um, uh, the school district was, uh, as as you know, expanding like crazy. They were building one or two th or three schools a year uh, back then, and uh, I got involved. They asked me some to help out with things, so got involved in a number of committees, designed uh, programs and gymnasiums for elementary schools, um, brought in uh, they s a standard equipment list, they called it, for elementary schools, where when... Uh, a new school was open, these were the things that went in that building. And so we were pretty in innovative and being really child and kid-centered, I wanted to make sure you had a, you know, a ball for every kid, a skipping rope for every kid, that kind of thing. So we did, I did that and uh, got involved in uh, starting up the Elementary Physical Education as uh, Association, we called it, for all the guys that taught PE here and so that we could be unified and make some things work. And during that time, I guess, we did a lot of stuff. For example, um, we knew that uh, when I watched the, the first year I was coaching basketball in the elementary school at Spruce Land, all these kids are trying to lift this big ball and put it up to the basket, and the scores were like 24 to 10 and stuff like that. And so I talked to the, the rest of the coaches and said, you know, we should use a smaller ball, let's lower the hoops, let's do some things like that so that the kids can be successful and build their skills properly. Wow. And so we did lots of stuff like that, uh, lowering the nets for volleyball and so on and so on. So things like that, I guess, kind of got me noticed a, a little bit maybe, but I'd have to go to the, of course, the principal's meetings as a teacher and say, these are the kind, this is something we want to do in our school district. And so I guess that kind of got me known a little bit more. And I think Dave Todd, the superintendent in those days, he was an ex-jock too. And uh, 
uh, he, he uh, set up the school district so that the principals were basically the committees to run the school district. And so you got on to things like that, where yeah. outdoor education, et cetera, et cetera, where. And when you mention ex jock, I think we might have to use this opportunity to squash a rumor because folklore in this city and beyond has talked about how you used to be a boxer growing up and this is conversation that became widespread. Were you a boxer in the past or what was your sport of choice? Oh, I played every sport except box. <laughs> I, I well, I loved hockey and ball and that stuff and I coached all those things and then I got into wrestling at UBC. But uh, the boxing rumor I think started at Kelly Road when I went up as vice principal and it was fairly rough sometimes there. Um, and so the custodians uh, were good people and came to me one day and said, hey Don, do you know that your rep out there is that you were a boxer, that's why these clowns that come around the school that don't belong here, they leave when you tell them. And so I said, oh that's nice, I said, but please don't tell anybody anything about that, Just we'll just ride it. And so I rode that rumor until grad 99 when I told the whole grad class you can go home now and tell your parents, because their parents had been at Kelly Road, most of them, and all your friends and so on, that I never boxed in my life. I mean, I, I refereed a little bit of boxing with some kids in elementary school a couple of times that needed to let off a little steam, but never boxed in my life. I said I got my nose from playing hockey. <laughs> a broken nose from hockey. Yeah. Man, that's the clip you cut out. <laughs> yes, I Andrew. I got my nose from hockey. Yeah. Best clip. And that's the clip. <laughs> You know, it's three funny. three years in a row in <laughs> March. Three years in a row. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the one rumor, um, the legends about you. The rumor in my era, and so I was at Kelly Road 89-90, just before I got there. Um, Ron, one of the one of the Butler brothers, and Corey Butler's in the military now, doing quite well. Jamie Butler actually painted my house a while ago. Remember the a names? A couple of years back. Yeah, yeah, because they were the bigger, older, tougher kids. But the, the leather jacket, and this is the heart in 89, yep. leather jacket butler brother was Ron Butler, and he was the toughest kid in the heart at the time. He was always the toughest kid in the heart. Remember that about the heart? Yeah. He always had, like, whoever it was in that era, Clary Poitras. He's hey, the rumors, were just like my, the rumors were just like the boxing. Somebody story. said They're that, just rumors. Yeah, somebody yeah. said that Ron Butler actually tried to fight you when I was in elementary school, and they're like, oh, yeah, Mr. Chamberlain, he got in a fight with the toughest guy in, in the heart, Ron Butler. And uh, they went toe-to-toe, -to -toe and it was all part of the boxing <laughs> <laughs> Obviously not true. They went no. seven rounds. All these years, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it. It was like everybody talked about it. We're entering Kelly Road the next year. They're like, oh, yeah, Mr. Chamberlain took out Ron Butler, and I'm like, Oh man, that's a dangerous teacher. Jeez, this is the first <laughs> time I've heard this rumor, but uh, I got <laughs> in there and that I was like super deferential. And by the way, my entire adult life, I'm like, oh, Mr. Chamberlain, man, he was a teacher he didn't mess around with. He took out one of the toughest guys in the heart. <laughs> I spread that rumor more than anybody. Well, thanks very much. <laughs> Appreciate it. That is legendary status. Yeah. Too awesome. So, what year did you actually make it up? to the heart because you spent uh, 22 out of 34 years up in the heart. What year did you actually head north? Um, 74. 74? Yep. Yeah. I started at Spruce Land, like I said, and then a trainee, or they called us trainees then instead of vice principals over at Connaught Elementary. And then uh, they offered me 
a choice of three schools, and uh, I don't know how they decided that, but anyway, I ended up at Buckhorn, which was a challenge, a really neat school. Spent two years there. Hired Dave's mom, Trudy, uh, my, sec mm -hmm. my second year there, so worked with Trudy. And then um, Dave Todd called me one day and said, we've got a fellow, we want to move him into town, and uh, we'd like you to um, talk him into taking your school. This was a buckhorn, and I said, oh, well, I'm really not that really ready to leave here. I just love the kids in the community and so on. And he said, well, we'd like him to go there. So we're going to look after you. You'll be going into a school in town and so on. So I did that, and then uh, they came to me that s later that spring and said, well, th there's not a lot of schools available right now, so we'd like to, to go to South Fort George Elementary. So I spent a year there, and then they, they came again and said, your choice of three schools, and I chose Hart Highway because it was more a little rural school. I loved the country kids and that. And so that's when I went to, to uh, Hart Highway, 1974. And how long were you there for? Uh, six years. Just, a, yeah, my sixth year. And that's because I said, <laughs> I've been moved too much. And it's not fair to the school, I think, if you don't stay for a while, because you kind of create a culture in a school when you're there for a while. And so um, at, uh, at um, Hart Highway, uh, it ended up in a couple of years that there was this group called Action BC, and it was funded by the, uh, the NDP government at the time. And <coughs> I get, unbeknownst to me, one of the, the fellows, you would call him an assistant superintendent now, but he worked at the school district office, and he said, we've got this group, they're coming up, and we're going to st start a group called Action North here in Prince George, and uh, we'd like you to come to the, the, the meeting with these guys. So I went, and the, we started talking around the table. It's, I think there were... 20, 30, 40 of us, I can't remember exactly, but we started talking about how can we improve the fitness level and stuff of kids and health level in Prince George. And so, of course, I think we were kind of tabbed as school guys to come there. And uh, Don Bassman was at North Nechaco, I think, and, and so we were invited, and, we, and, I, and I met a fellow named Gail Tuggle from Valemont. He was invited to this. Ended up anyways, we talked for a, a few hours and we got around to let's, uh, I volunteered our school, we'll start uh, a daily phys ed program at elementary school. And so that was what started then. And uh, it went on until I left. And that was the 80s that phys ed even started? That was the 70s. Yeah, 70. Oh, 70. Yeah, 74. 70, yeah, it was the, the, that program. I think we were about 75 or so around there when we had this Action BC group come through. And we, so we started Action North. It's remarkable that you identified the benefits of exercise and everyday body movement in the school curriculum at that time because there's a, a lot of complementary benefits between exercising your mind in the classroom as well as exercising your body. They complement each other nicely. Yeah. Well, you hit it, the nail on the head. One thing when I was at Spruce Land, I taught social studies as well as phys ed and math and so on. And the, the kids and I, we, came, we found this uh, the Greek statement, you know, a healthy body is necessary for a well-balanced mind. We put that up in our school gym. 
and that's been my belief forever. And what that's a great why mantra. I, yeah, and, and I kind of, that's the way I feel about life too. And so <coughs> we, we thought we have to change where we're going health-wise. And unfortunately, that hasn't carried on. And it really uh, concerns me because we were doing this, well, 40 years ago just about. Why hasn't the government carried that kind of thing on? I, w I did several workshops around the province on daily phys ed and how to get it going and so on and so on. And, and um, other school districts took it up. I don't know how many of them are still doing it, but I got moved up to Kelly Road in 78, so that was the end of my involvement in doing that. But you sure could tell the difference. Like, we, we'd studied the kids. Uh, we gave them fitness tests. Um, uh, the mums, the PTA was involved in that. We tested their flexibility, their strength, their endurance. Their uh, we had heart monitors. We put put them on, tested them three times a year. Pretty advanced for the time, right? Yeah, stuff that you know. Al, and Al Fisher was the uh, uh, phys ed coordinator for the district, and he and I and Basserman and and uh, a fellow by the name of Gail Tuggle, which I mentioned earlier. But and so when we started that program, we needed somebody to help the regular classroom teacher do this because that's where, what the key was as far as I was concerned. You can't have somebody come in and, and do all the phys ed in a school on a daily basis. So we were giving up to an hour of phys ed a day. Uh, we had to train the teachers. And <coughs> one of the concerns was, where do you find the time? Well, you have to be more efficient. And also, you, f you find out that as the kids' fitness levels get better, their oxygen level intake that's important so then they they can learn better and and faster so um, that's uh, how that program got going and uh, I wished we'd have carried that on forever because our society would be a lot healthier yeah <coughs> I mean it goes without saying that we've definitely gone through a regression and right now is probably more important than any other point in history with all this video game culture and social media. Addiction to screen time. I yep. Yeah, I looked at one of my friend's phones the other day looking at the screen time thing. I was comparing my own and compared it to a, a friend of mine's. And uh, she has like 10 hours a day on social media apps. 10 hours a day, I'm like, how are you even working anymore, let alone exercising? And sleeping. And yeah. Sleeping. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And yeah. there's always this discussion about how you shouldn't have any electronics or screen time around before bed, right? And most yep. people are falling asleep with their phone in their hand. Exactly. These days, right? Yeah. Uh, so, well, Don, what year was your first as principal of, of Kelly Road? Uh, 1986. 86. Because I was reading an article that was talking about how you were instrumental in making these inaugural Mount Robson trips happen. <laughs> and that's something that I didn't realize was unique to Kelly Road at the time. I thought it was done at all high schools in School District 57, but it was Kelly Road that really paved that path and did it for the first time, and then other schools might have after that, correct? Yeah, and, and I, I can't even begin to think of taking credit for that. The guys that started the trips were uh, Bruno Tedesco and uh, Kim Cohn and guys like that, okay. Wally, Wally Brown. Um, when I got there, <coughs> um, they, th those things were already happening in, the, there was a, uh, a group that uh, Bruno Tedesco and crew would take in, the in, uh, in June 
So was Bruno a PE teacher as well? You know, no, he was a math teacher. Oh, okay. Math specialist. And he would, they, he and some others would take a group of kids um, from all grades. Um, Kim Cohn and Wally Brown and the other phys ed staff, I could name them all, but they started uh, the, the uh, PE 12 course for Mount Robson, where the kids would spend uh, three weeks prepping and then go to Mount Robson. I got into it because uh, they needed chaperones, and the principal was cheap because it didn't cost anything for a sub. And I was going anyway because this is an opportunity I can't miss. And so I went on many of them. Nice. Um, there's lots of stories about that too, and it was it's a fantastic experience. And and the idea is, or was, and still is, to get those kids to get involved in outdoor education and do Robson on their own. And Hundreds and hundreds of them have done that. Anything crazy ever happened on any of them? Oh, yeah. Let's hear things. all about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there's been a few things uh, not really not really crazy. We've, um, let's see. Uh, one year I was going with, with up with uh, Mr. Cohen or Kim Cohen and, and the kids, Phys Ed 12 kids, and one of the kids um, at, at uh, Whitehorn campsite. He spilled hot water. He had a stove that was with, with a pot on top, and it spilled on his leg, and he got scalded pretty badly. So he wanted to go ba up badly, and uh, we, Kim and I knew he'd had pretty bad burns, so he said, no, you, you can't go, and he was pretty disappointed, of course. But Kim took, said, Don, i got to take him back, and he'll get his parents, and we'll meet him out of the highway. And I said, okay. He says, so now you're the leader. Said, oh, I usually go last because I could talk. I could keep up with the slowest girl or, or the slowest guy. I could keep up with them. Anyway, that's a joke. But uh, yeah, <laughs> but that 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 was what I, what I did. But anyways, he said, "You're in charge now." I said, oh, "Okay." So of course, from Whitehorn, you have to up the steep hill and switchbacks. Yeah. yeah. So up over there, and we get up there, and the snow's up thigh level or higher. Because this would be trail. June. This is in, yeah, the last weekend in May or beginning, last uh, couple of days of May, beginning of June. Yeah, you can get a lot of snow at that time. Yeah. So I'm breaking trail for these 30 kids behind me. And so finally I said, come on, you young bucks, get up here and start breaking trail. <laughs> so anyway, that was, a, that was a funny part because they, they then started to break the trail. I said, uh, you got to, this is when my retirement, I said, you got this 65 year old guy out there breaking trail, it's time for you to do this. So that was one of the stories. We also had a, one of our teacher's kids um, walking back down because the kids, uh, when we leave, when we leave up there, They'd want to get out as fast as they could and have a burger and so on, and because they'd been starving, quotes starving for three days, and so uh, we we always let the guys go first because they're a little faster than the girls most of the time. But uh, and you're packing a 35-pound pack or more At if least. you're if you're a guy, you're packing a lot more than that because you wanted to have a lot of extra food or whatever. Anyway, so we let them, we always let them go ahead and Kim and I would go at the back to follow the kids out to make sure that nothing happened. We, we, were, we came up to Kinney, just above Kinney Lake, the flats, and uh, a couple of the girls had decided to go, three of the girls had decided to go across the flats instead of take the trail because it's up and down and over. And uh, they had the, the stream had, had grown there because it was raining and they slipped, one girl slipped and fell in there. And so, thank goodness, she was strong enough, and her friends were able to grab her and yank her out. So that's a story. Because and those can be some re 
robust flows of water through those yeah. those flatbed area yeah. if there's a strong melt. Exactly. The best story though is uh, in 1995, um, our first grandson was due, and so uh, he was supposed to be uh, <coughs> in pro in early May, I think it was. Anyway, my wife wouldn't remember the dates better than me, but. Anyhow, the, the Robson trip was due to go, and I have to go. And so I, I couldn't get out of my obligation, and my grandson wasn't born yet. So I'm in contact with the wife back and forth until we got to Robson's, and we jump off the bus, and we head up. And so we're up there, and I, s I said to her, you can get maybe get a hold of me through the ranger station if you need to. And I, I've got to know it's our first grandchild. So. Sure enough, we're up in Robson Pass, camped there, and the one morning this, the uh, ranger wanders over and says, which of you is Chamberlain? So he says, I got some news for you. You got a grandson. Well, there was yelling and screaming across the valley there for a few minutes, and uh, so I'll never forget when my grandson was born. What a memory to hear wow. about your grandson being born from a park ranger at Mount Robson. Yeah, pretty unique, eh? Yeah. yeah. How many other people could share that kind of experience, right? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I got a question for you. Um, I noticed Scott had listed some of the teachers that he knew, but a question I'd like to know is a lot of, I mean, people obviously when are asked in the community, what's a teacher or administrator teacher that you have fond memories of? Your name gets mentioned a lot. A lot of people found you to be um, influential, inspiring. Just you could tell you could always tell a teacher that really genuinely cared. You got that vibe from them as a kid. You're like, this person cares about me. I was a bit of a, I think, I, I was in your office quite a few times because I was a troubled youth. Never remember a thing about it, David. Yeah, that's What fine. happens at Keller Road stays at Keller Road. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> Having said that, um, there was a few times in my life that I had teachers like um, Mr. Kluge. Um, he, I know he was definitely a controversial teacher at times, did mm -hmm. things his own way. I remember in grade eight he got in trouble for how he introduced himself to the classroom. Having said that, also he was a teacher that inspired me. Um, he, I, in front of the whole class I didn't do my homework one day and he could have just given me an F and he called me up in front of the class and said, you have this class to write the assignment. Don't, you're not paying attention to me, write the assignment. I'm not accepting that you didn't do it. So I wrote the story and then he, in front of the whole class he said, I want you to know that this would have been an A. And not only that, but I would have selected you to be the student that would have gone in front of the school, because we used to, the best report would read yeah. in front of the whole assembly. He goes, that would have been you. You're an A student who's putting in F effort. And it changed the direction for me. That one thing from that one teacher made me go, man, I'm an A student? I can write an A report? Never, never didn't get an A in English again, and I was a straight C minus student. That became my best class, and then I just translated it to other classes and ended up graduating with honors. But I was a straight C minus student before that teacher did that. Tell me, can you remember anything similar to that from your teaching career uh, that you remember about an interaction with a student or a teacher that would have that level of? Lots of them. The thing is, as a teacher is, it's not like another job. If you're a carpenter, you see the house go up when you're building it. As a, as a teacher, you, you, you've no idea that you're having an influence. You, you, you may have some kind of influence, but you don't really have an idea. Years later, you see the results, or you hear the results, maybe. 
right? You guys are doing a great job with this. And, and I, I didn't know what's happening with your careers and so on, but down the road, we see what's happened. And it makes us really proud. And, and we know that we've done something good somewhere along the line with our jobs. And so I always say that to, to the kids, you know, we just did our job and and we did it the best way we could and we had no idea what you're going to turn out like so it's really excellent when we get to talk with these adults later because you don't you, you didn't realize oh you know Dave's doing this and Scott's doing that and uh, and um, you know uh, uh, I forgot her, I got her name but you know Donnie Marchuk was in here earlier right Donnie is coaching basketball and in, in uh, Calgary and, and he's doing other stuff now right I know those are things that you don't realize when you're teaching or coaching or whatever you do in life you don't realize the effect you've had on people and and some people come and tell you you know I, I had kids come up to me when I'm ringing the bell for the Sally and say I'm sorry I was such a jerk in school but thanks very much and so yeah. that that's those are little moments that you cherish do you right? hear that a lot Oh yeah, yeah. The apology, because <laughs> yeah. the first thing I do. I anytime I see a teacher, I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I was in so much trouble in school. <laughs> do you? I want to ask if you remember something. This was the worst thing I ever did in school. It was stupid. I actually almost got expelled, but I wasn't trying to be bad. But I was in electronics class, Mr. Misselbrook's electronics class. Mm -hmm. And you have these things called capacitors, and capacitors store electricity and release it in a burst. This is why we took electronics, I still remember that. And it's how you create like a flashlight or a stoplight, any, any flashing. So I'm like, oh, 10 volt capacitor. I wonder what will happen if I plug this into a 110 wall socket. <laughs> so I grabbed a pair of pliers, because I'm not dumb, I'm not gonna hold it with my bare hand, plugged it in and blew the wall socket out of the wall. The explosion could be heard around the entire school. I'm on my back 10 feet away from the plug-in, just dazed, have no idea what happened. Wow. Almost unconscious, because it blew me back into one of those square metal tables. Little tiny thing. So much boom. And uh, yeah, Mr. Misselbrook was so mad at me. And that, was, <laughs> that was the stuff you had to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> not, never heard never heard that story. You don't remember that one? <laughs> no. Oh, see, that's funny for me. It was like a yeah. major thing. Sure, it is. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. You know, all this talk about fantastic teachers, and there were a substantial amount of great Absolutely. teachers at Kelly Road. We're going to throw some, some names of teachers at you and, you know, maybe just provide a comment, a, a memory that you shared with them or, or what kind of uh, human they were to you. And we'll just rattle off a, a few here. So I'm gonna start with my favorite teacher at Kelly Road. I, I learned a lot from this individual and always looked up to him, Mr. Perrin. Oh, Billy. Bill, he's, he's our jokester, right? And Bill, he'll, he can remember everything. He can remember song writers and so on and so on. And he, uh, he did a, a great job um, emceeing stuff at our school because he's got a great memory and he can, he's got the gift of the gab. He can talk just about anything. Um, he, he enjoyed kids. He coached basketball. Um, he was, uh, like I said, the guy that knew every joke. He could remember things uh, that, that others would forget. Um, and uh, everyone's, well, the last thing I had to do with Bill is he and Wally Brown and I went through Kelly Road uh, just 
prior to demolition and uh, took some photos and had our nostalgic time. The three of you. Yeah. What a conversation yeah. that would have been. If Walls could talk, right? Just going yeah. through those halls w one last time with Mr. Brown and Mr. Perrin. Yeah. What an experience. Well, it was for Brown now. <coughs> yeah. He's still here in town. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, I've been talking to him this week. His, uh, his cousin passed away suddenly here, um, just up the street from us. But um, he's... Uh, Enjoying retirement. I, I don't see him as often as we should. We used to have a group called the Kelly Road Old Farts that um, those were all the retirees. We'd meet, we'd meet and have lunch. But with COVID and stuff like that happening and some people moving away, we haven't done that for a while. But it's time to resurrect it. But yeah. you reminded me of that. Um, he always came out to the <coughs> Terry Fox runs, and yeah. he'd still just have these massive tree trunk legs and like big calves, just yeah. a supreme. He athlete. he was a good physical education teacher. Great guy. Yeah, yeah he was my PE teacher. I drove him nuts too because I wasn't <laughs> very athletically gifted. I have a fantastic idea for you. Something I want to challenge you to do. You said we don't know until we see someone many years later. Um, I want to challenge you to reach out and have students who are impacted by those old farts. And when you have your lunch, have one show up and just say how it impacted their life. And every time you guys have one of those lunches, we'll find you one student to go in and say how Kelly Road changed her life or impacted it. Someone just have lunch with you guys and just share one of those stories each time. That would be a friggin' wicked lunch. That would be amazing. That's a great yeah. idea, great idea. And they're out there and they'd be oh. more than happy to share their stories about how Various teachers, if you say who's there, we'll find someone who inspired their life and we'll send you up one student with a story of how that person impacted them. Every time you guys have a lunch, I'll commit to making that happen and so will Scott. That's a fantastic idea. Thanks. Then I've got to commit to starting the lunches again. <laughs> you do. The pressure's on. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the organizers are mo have left town. <laughs> so yeah. we'll, well, there you go. It's on, on you. Yeah, yeah thanks yeah. very much. I need another job. That's a wonderful idea, David. I think <laughs> that I is really a good like idea. Yeah, I'd love it. Let's toss out a few more names. Uh, Dave, think of one, but I'll start with Mrs. Ludet. Yeah, Kathy is a French teacher, um, wonderful lady, cares lots about kids, um, um, involved in uh, um, other activities in and around the school. Um, all the kids loved her, and uh, it was a pleasure to work with her, and, and um, she helped us recruit some other teachers and we and helped the young younger teachers when they came in um, I can think of a young lady we hired uh, I hired right on university uh, without being sort of allowed to because we we didn't really have a vacancy but I knew we'd have one so I grabbed this young lady that because she could do French and and she wanted to do Japanese, so we even got Japanese going while well, she stayed at Kelly Road for a couple of years. Well, so. what an asset she turned out to be. And, yeah. uh, and my older sister, Kirsty at Kelly Road, even had a, a Japanese pen pal as well throughout the days. Oh, yeah, and actually, fantastic. Uh, my sister, Kirsty asked if I could provide you with a question. I actually reached out to her because I know that she really looked up to you as a principal and as a, a human being. Uh, she wanted to ask what it meant to you to be the principal of Kelly Road that may have seemed like an underdog school in the district at the time. Do you think there is that sense of extra pride because we may have been a little bit of an underdog compared to some of the, the other larger schools? Why was that sense of pride so high for you with Kelly Road? Well, absolutely right. Um, in, pr in the school district, I was offered jobs all the time. Kelly Road principalship was the only job I ever applied for. They didn't ask me to do it because I didn't have my master's. And uh, so 
I applied for Kelly Road because I saw what Kelly Road was like when I went up there as vice principal. And I went there as vice principal because I was concerned with what was happening to my elementary school kids because there was some stuff going on in the community and schools in those days that needed to, I think, change. So the Kelly Road was the best job I had. I mean, I loved every school I was in and I enjoyed everybody. But Kelly Road was the one I had to go back because there were so many things I felt that the kids and the community needed there. And so I guess that's why I went. And, and the pride, I guess, I get there is that I mm -hmm. was able to give the kids, uh, or work with others, not just me, to give the kids uh, um, a sense of responsibility for their school. And, and I tried to do that by telling them at the first assembly and many, many assemblies thereafter, right even the last day, the, the, my last assembly with them, uh, that they are the school. What they do is the rep of the school. When I went there as vice principal, or as principal, a uh, vice principal too, and principal, I didn't like the rep of the school. And we have all these great kids, and they didn't deserve the rep that they had in the community. And so I told them, you guys live that rep. Everything you day, do every day, outside and inside the school, develops the reputation. If you guys don't like it, then go do something about it. And that's the challenge I threw to the kids. And uh, I have to say that I, I went out of Kelly Road really proud of what we'd accomplished. Because uh, it was, in my opinion, the best school in town then. And, and I, I think it's, it still is, but I, I, I haven't been around there for 20-something years now. But um, that, that's kind of, I guess, my legacy for me uh, because um, they took the bull by the horns. They made the school it is, or it was in those days, and they did so many phenomenal things as kids. Um, I mean, starting an anti-bullying program before, you know, when bullying was just basically a starting thing in the schools, and grade 12 students come up to me and say, hey, sir, we'd like to do this, and, and can we go and work in the elementary schools and, and teach the kids how to deal with bullying and stuff. So those kind of things happened, and the academics and the scholarships and all those things that the kids got, I mean, set records. And, and it's because the kids did it, okay? It wasn't me, it wasn't a teacher, it was a group effort, but the kids did this. And the kids are, are pr were very proud of their school and are still really proud of their school. And, and that brings up another little issue for me is that the, the name got changed and that wiped out 60 years of what the community and kids put into a, a place and a school is not just a building and that's what I told the school district when they were looking at that stuff. The school is not just a building, it's people. It's a community and, and we need to think of when we do something, the effect on a community. Anyway, that's, that's why I'm so proud of Kelly Road because I think that the, the kids took up the challenge, they did it for themselves and it, it made a big difference in the community. Yeah. We had teachers wanting to come to Kelly Road School. Yeah. One and thing you must have noticed too <coughs> is that the, the different generations that attended Kelly Road, you know, you'd, you'd have parents who'd attend and then their kids would attend Kelly Road as well, and then maybe even their grandkids, yeah. because the Hart community is a great community within an amazing community, right? And yep. you probably Absolutely. saw a lot of that throughout Kelly Road. One other thing that you were very instrumental in incorporating at Kelly Road was wrestling. 
and there, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe there was no wrestling team in place and, until you helped establish one. And then was there five provincial champions? Yeah, in 1990, we had five provincial champs. Wow. When I, I, went, when I went up as vice principal in 79, I'd been doing uh, wrestling with elementary kids because I did it at uni UBC myself. And, and so I decided to start a team. John Botham had a, a small team over at PGSS, and so I said, oh, I'm going to start a wrestling team. So we did, we did that in 79-80, and uh, me being more of an elementary guy, I didn't have the, the I, I had some of the capacity, I guess, to, to uh, instill high enough level uh, techniques and stuff for students, uh, senior, for, for high school kids. But one of the parents came to me, Dave Yarmish, and uh, said, Don, uh, I, we got a new neighbor. His name's Don Roy, and he is, is a was the wrestling coach for Saskatchewan. And he said, I told him about you, and uh, how would you like to meet him? I said, right on. So I met Don Roy in 1980, and he and his wife Coralie and, and I and, uh, and a couple of moms, uh, Dave Getkin's mom and so on, we established then the Prince George Wrestling Club because we have all these kids in all the school, well, we started at Kelly Road and, and we expanded, but we had kids in schools that couldn't afford to go to wrestling tournaments. They couldn't afford to go to Vancouver for high school provincials and so on. So we said, we, we said let's start a club. So we started the Prince George Wrestling Club and through Sharon Getkin, who was involved in bingo and all that kind of stuff, we were able to raise funds and so on and disseminate them to the kids and as expanded to all the schools in Prince George. We eventually got that. And the, the wrestling club uh, was established and uh, <coughs> it, it I, well I went to the 40th year I think of, um, of, of the team uh, at Kelly Road being there. But uh, that started in 1980 and then um, I lost my train of thought here a bit but um, we, uh, by getting the club going, we were able to pay for these kids and subsidize them to go to provincials and nationals and so on. And in 1990, as you brought up, now I've got my train of thought back, um, Don was the major coach and I, I was a helper, but he, he, we had five provincial champs that year. Never happened in British Columbia before. Yeah. I don't know if it's happened since. Sure helps, and those hard kids are tough, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had little guys like Travis Bellrose, 100 and Yeah, I remember yeah. Travis Bellrose. That was the year I was there. And, uh, yeah, a lot of those guys are still well-known around town. Yep, yep. Dennis McCarthy, he's uh, at uh, BC Hydro. Nancy, yep. Nancy, I just Nancy. ran into Dennis McCarthy the other day. Yep. And Cliff McCarthy just messaged me on Facebook two days ago. It's so weird. I haven't talked to that guy since 1990, probably. Meant to be. Yeah, there's all <laughs> the McCarthy kids, right? Yeah. And their mom got involved, too, and helped us with the club. And I mean, we it, it developed into something. It's And in, as far as I know, well, I know it's still going. Um, we were also able, to, and before we started, uh, before the 1990, after we'd started the club, um, we were really annoyed that, BC wrestling and uh, high, the high school wrestling, they only had the high school championship was always in Vancouver, never moved. So we started up a little group and I ended up being the spokesman, I guess, at, at the meeting uh, for the BC high school championships. And we said, we want to host the provincials. 
and here's what we're going to do. And I talked to the chef at PGSS, and he said, yeah, I can put together a meal package for kids, and so on and so on. Anyway, we got it all organized. We were able to, I guess, lobby enough guys to get the vote so that we got the vote that it would come to Prince George. And we held a provincial championship here then, and uh, I think it was about 84. The teachers were on strike that year, or went on strike just before the championship. We had it coming, we had to do it. I begged the teachers union and the superintendent, can we still use a facility? I'll get volunteers and we'll do it that way. Mm -hmm. And we were able to pull it off. And you know, those guys in Vancouver, as I said, they'd never been outside the Lower Mainland. The kids had never seen places like Prince George. They even chartered a 737 to come up because they had enough wrestlers to wow. come to here and they didn't want to drive. But And since then, we, we were able to, every four years, they now move the, t the tournament outside of the Lower Mainland. And so we've hosted it a couple times here in Prince George now. And you know what, that's the power of vision and having a, a collective mindset and team working towards that, that common goal for the championships to be held here in 19. Well, and wrestling's not, it's just one sport in mm -hmm. town, right? That kind of story goes right across our community for just about everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Dave, let's throw out a couple more teachers' names just so we cover that aspect of the interview. I'm going to let you take this one. Well, I was actually trying to remember who my drama teacher was in her Rodenizer? Name. Rick Tesler? Uh, no. Rodenizer. No, Mr. Tesler. Oh, Tesler yeah. was amazing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, and I, I, that's why I was bummed I forgot his name. But he was a fantastic teacher, like in my reason. opinion. Like, just, just incredible. And uh, what do you remember about him? I remember him setting up this theater in the classroom and never asking permission to do things, which is kind of the way I op operate too. It's better <laughs> to ask forgiveness and beg permission. No, beg forgiveness and ask permission. And so he ran his theaters in there. He built bleachers on the weekends yeah. and so on and so on. Anyway, uh, speaking of him, he's in uh, the Philippines, still teaching. Uh, he faced FaceTime me or whatever you call that stuff uh, just a, few, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, my birthday, his birthday, whatever. So we, as a matter of fact, we just corresponded here a few weeks ago. Again. Really? Yeah. Still teaching. Yeah. Uh, he's teaching English over there. And um, he was such a dynamic guy and didn't always follow the, the rules, but that's okay because he was doing fantastic stuff and turned on lots of kids to to, uh, act, to drama and school. And he was doing um, productions at PGSS because we had no we had no facility at Kelly Road, so we would back him on that. And the kids would go down there. He even tried to get me into a production once and. I kind of signed up, but thank goodness there was a teacher strike that year too, and I I was able to back out because I would have made a fool of myself. But um, <coughs> he'd gather up all the stuff, set it all up at PGSS on their stage, and and that I think eventually got PGSS to get their act together and start doing drama productions as well. His influence on me was profound because at that point I was shy. Um, if I spoke out, it was mostly being lippy, um, angry kid. So when I entered drama, all of a sudden he took kids like that and said, here's a channel. And all of a sudden I wasn't in trouble for acting out. I wasn't in trouble for being louder than life. And I went, oh, okay, you can take this kind of angry energy, which is bothering people, and you can turn it into entertaining people. Well, from that point forward, it was a year later, I started DJing. 
Whoa. and which is just entertaining people. But I became the first one of the first DJs in the community to actually use a microphone and engage people and entertain people, which then turned into my full company, which then exploded. And we were across northern BC. Excellent. All stemming from learning to channel that energy and use it to entertain people, which I did. I still DJ charity functions around town. And that's that led it. to everybody knowing me, which led to me starting my financial services company. Fantastic. So, like, that's the trickle down effect from, and I didn't even remember his name. Yeah, it's a testament to the power and influence yeah. a teacher can have. And this team. is what we were talking about earlier, right? Yeah. The teacher doesn't know. You need to reach out to Rick and tell him. Yeah. And I'll give you his contact information. Yeah, if I make can. sure you do, Dave. For yeah. sure. I think I you will. appreciate it, hearing. Oh, from you. you better yeah. believe it. Yeah. Oh, I messaged yeah. out to Mr. Kluge too. I sent him a message when I saw his name in the newspaper, always starting fights on the editorial. Yeah. So I actually took the time to write <laughs> him and spoke to him, and I did. But with Mr. Tesler, I didn't, and I will. That's awesome. Final teacher name, then we'll move on. Uh, I wanted to go with Mr. Border and Mr. Northrup because they're fantastic woodworking teachers. I want to go with the first teacher I ever had in high school, and that was a grade eight class, metalwork, Mr. Oki. You remember? Yeah, I remember. I remember him. Uh, him well. Jeez, uh, <laughs> I know his name real well. I know it off the top <laughs> of my head, but uh, that's what happens when you get old. Yeah, yeah, uh, Bert. Yeah, yep. Yeah, Bert uh, was uh, a quiet, shy guy. Um, he d d uh, turned quite a few kids on, on I think, to to metal work and mm -hmm. and those kind of things. Um, and he was uh, a loner um, out out of school. Mm -hmm. uh, I know the the kids liked him, and he did he did a good job and, and taught them uh, a lot of stuff. And then he and from him, then we w he went on to Dan Borden and Bruce Northrup, who were yeah. guys that I hired right out of university. Great guys, great teachers. Well, I was lucky, you know. I I did a lot of work uh, to get when I had to hire new teachers. Yeah. Both and athletes too, uh, Mr. Yep. Northrup, Mr. Borden, rugby players. Yep. 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 The coaches. Yep. 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 That's the great thing about. I mean, it can be so intimidating as a grade eight student when you graduate elementary school and all of a sudden you're into this high school with five, six times as many people. But the fascinating part of that is there's so many different courses and offerings, whether it's on the culinary side or metal work or shop with Mr. Hughes, like there's all these different options, a drama to, to take your life and to concentrate on studies that actually interest you. That's a, a part of the, the phenomenal side of the high school experience. I have a, there's five yearbooks here. I grab them from my sister's Kirsty, And there's a, a principal's message here. And so this uh -oh. is actually from the school year 1988 to, to 89. And I'm just gonna read your message out loud. So principal's message, yearbook 88, 89. I would like to thank the students, staffs, and parents for another super year at Kelly Road. I continue to be very impressed with the positive, friendly atmosphere that both the students and staff maintain at the best school in the North. It is an honor and privilege to be your principal. This year, you're practicing our school motto, we strive for excellence. And that has resulted in, and here's some stats, 39% increase in the number of students achieving honor roll, outstanding team and individual accomplishments in academic contests, athletics, arts, theater, and other curricular events, and a cohesive effort by all members of the graduating class to make this a most successful and memorable year. So that's your principal's message in the, the late 80s. What did it mean for you to be principal, Don, of Kelly Road Secondary School and see the students 
making these kind of advancements in academia? Well, pride to start with, and and uh, a real feeling that the kids came through and and continued to come through, and they did this they did this for for each other, not just for themselves. You know, it's a team effort, and that's I don't know I don't. I kind of embarrassed when I hear, deal with stuff like that because to me um, I'm just a little cog in the whole system, and sometimes you get a little you can add a little oil or grease somewhere else to make other things work. But um, I, I don't know what to say actually, Scott. Um, I have a terrific amount of pride, and I, I guess as one of the teachers said to my wife once, um, "How do you compete with his girlfriend, Kelly?" Um, Kelly w was my life, and uh, for a, for a long time, I guess uh, about about 19 years in my career, just about I guess I can't remember now, but anyway, no, 16 years. Sorry, 16 years of, at Kelly Road. Um, it's it's real pride that I guess is the best word for me to say. Uh, good feelings about what the kids accomplished what they've done with their lives and and how they, they in turn have gone out and done things for with other people and motivated other people I mean I look at you two guys and see what what you're doing for our community and I I'm so very proud of that and I, I finally get an opportunity to tell you both in the same room um, <laughs> and you're in a position where you get to see hundreds and hundreds of past students that you can be proud of and you own it right and you, you help right? create it right you know, you did. Oh. You really, you you helped create it. It was creating that environment, and now especially hearing the podcast, like having you as a guest, knowing how much you took part and which teachers you hired, mm -hmm. and how you created the concept in the school of what you were going to do and how it was changing. I didn't know any of that. Yeah, and you yeah. let the students take ownership. I mean, this yearbook right here is from 1988-89. Here's my next question: How hard? was that final school assembly in 1999 where you had to speak in front of the students for the final time? Tough. I was out getting the barbecues ready for our annual burger bash and I, I didn't know that the, the assembly was taking place at the time and thank God I had my sunglasses on. And when Sharon Cairns, the vice principal, came and said, we need you inside, uh, I kind of figured something might be happening. And when I walked in the gym and there's the whole school, it was, it was. Um, I would have paid anything to be there. It was, it was, it was really something. Yeah, I'm still oh. getting choked up a bit about it. Um, Somebody in the culinary class was cutting onions at the time, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I, I, I think I left my sunglasses on the whole time and my wife, was giving me the gears about that, but um, and she was there, and they had her sitting there, and that was a proud moment for for me. Um, uh, I don't know. I, again, I don't remember a hell of a lot about it because it was uh, quite emotional. But I think I know that I told the kids that they're the ones that made the school what it was or is, and and to carry it on and. Uh, to me, that's what it, what it was, and that's um, that's how I felt anyway. Yeah. Can you give a message? Like, I'd love to be able to your thought. Like the past kids, um, 
like just a, a statement that we can take out and share with the kids. For anybody who doesn't watch this whole podcast, I still want to be able to take a moment where you say how you felt about the kids in Kelly Road um, from your whole career there and how much it mattered to you. And I know you've already said some of this stuff, but I just, um, you're making me emotional. And I don't know, like a lot of kids, you know, like not every teacher, um, not every teacher cared the same. Not every teacher um, did what you did. Um, I can't remember my principal's name from my next school. I have no idea who they were. There was something different about you um, and the culture you created that was not the same everywhere. And I'm sure it did happen in many other schools. There's, you know, you teachers know, are absolutely, heroes. Absolutely. But what you did was different, and that's why people talk about it and reference it. That's why with all the schools in Prince George, name one principal who consistently gets mentioned over and over and over and over again. And it's you respect yeah and so if you were to say just a message to the kids from Kelly Road if you were at that assembly and it was all the kids you ever taught what would that message be <laughs> oh and I, thanks for putting me on the spot yeah <laughs> um, I think that I would say that I'm really proud of the accomplishments uh, and the direction that they're all taking. And um, if you can affect even one person's life in your lifetime, you're doing a great service to everybody. And I know that every one of the Kelly Road kids would have far exceeded that. And uh, it's, it's kind of tough, Dave, for me to put some of that stuff in words, but. I'm just so proud of each and every one of them. Um, there's some, there's, you know what? I heard all kinds of terrible rumors about Kelly Road before I went there, and, I, and even a few when I was there. And there are kids that screw up, but there's no such thing as a bad kid, and they make mistakes. That's part of growing up. Hell, I made tons of mistakes as an adult too, and I probably made one yesterday, but. You learn from those, and that's um, important to me. Uh, so uh, I've I gave grad certificates to a young fellow in jail. I gave the grad certificates to a young lady with their mom in the hospital bed dying of cancer, and those things were important to those particular kids. And I think if if you you or anybody else can do something for another person and for your community, you got to do it. And, and, and you guys are living that. You two guys are living that for us. And th that makes me so very, very proud. And y you're two out of the thousands and thousands of kids that I've had the pleasure of working with. And so I guess what I'd like to say is that if you got a dream, go for it. Make it happen. And uh, what you do will affect other people. Yeah. It's an incredible answer, Don. And there's going to be a lot of Kelly Road alumni, students, and teachers, parents, as well as current Kelly Road staff and, and students that are listening and watching this podcast. And I think that one of one characteristic, one quality that everyone listening and watching shares is their respect for you. And I know you're a very humble guy, and sometimes it can be 
challenging to take compliments, but you did a hell of a job, Don. You did a hell of a job as principal at Kelly Road Secondary School, and we thank you for it. Yeah. Thank okay. You. Thank you. Damn emotional. I have a question for you. <sighs> what the heck are you doing now? Golfing three mornings a week. <laughs> Pine Valley. Or is that just uh, well, a golf that shirt? was that. No, no. Pine Valley is an interesting story. Um, Do you know Dave and I golf? Maybe we, we should get together. Yeah, that's We're terrible. Or yeah. at least I am. No. So we might not be able to keep up, but it'd be no, fun. Hey, I've got this saying I say all the time. I have to live long enough to shoot my age, and I'm going to be 136. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's what I feel. <laughs> let's um, So is that at Kelly Pine Valley all the time? Pardon? At, you golf at Pine Valley all the no, time? No, I, I, I can still hit the ball over the lake uh, <coughs> at PG. <coughs> Excuse me. So yep. I golf there. I help out Pine Valley back in... Um, and we're instrumental in saving it as well, correct? Well, kind of. Well, I don't know. Instrumental is not the word, but I tried to help. Um, and that all started with um, years ago. I think it was 2007. My wife says, look at this in the paper. Um, they're talking about uh, closing and selling off uh, Pine Valley Golf Course. And Brian Skaken had made a statement that he was he was going to fight that. Didn't see anything much from anybody else. So my wife said, we got to do something about it. And that's the first time she's said anything like that to me. And that's the first and only sport that she's ever been involved in because I thought we, we try to do some things together, fortunately. <laughs> um, so I wrote a paragraph with her. Kudos to Brian Skaken. And, and let's keep, keep uh, the golf course going and and green, green matter, stuff like that. One paragraph. The next morning, I had a phone call from, uh, well, they called him Alderman in those days, uh, city councilor, said, um, what are you doing? You don't know what we got in the background. I said, well, nobody tells me what you got in the background. You don't tell the community what you got in the background. We're not going to let this golf course close. And so he said, well, then why don't you do something about it? I said, there aren't tootins when I find something that's not right. I, I, I stand up. I'm like my dad. You'd fight for the underdog. That's kind of the way we were brought up. And so I said, um, okay. So I went down and saw Tom Madden. Tom had kids at Kelly Road. Yeah. He was a director of leisure services or whatever it was called. In those days, they've changed the title so many times. Um, and uh, he agreed with me, and he said, okay. So let, I said, okay, can we start a group t to do this? He said, yeah. So we decided we called the Friends of Pine Valley and get a representative of each of the user groups. And we would then uh, lo lobby city council to um, keep Pine Valley Golf Course. So that's kind of, that's been now, uh, well, t 14 years. And it's still in a precarious situation sometimes. We don't know because it's real estate, we've been told, the councillors and so on can't talk to us. but. Done lots of politicking with councillors and so on. Met with uh, city administration, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Still concerned. Um, though I'm feeling a little bit better that the course is well used now and so on. And and that's happened because a lot of people got involved. We've made presentations to council and so on. And every one of the councillors that are presently there have told me over the table when they're doing their um, campaigning, they believe that the golf course should stay there. And I can mm -hmm. go on for hours and hours about all that kind of stuff. And so 
we have to see that it gets long term. And the contract's coming up again. So when does it come up? You know, I believe. Th well, again, <coughs> folks can't tell you stuff because of confidentiality issues, and and because it's real estate. This is what we're told. Is why we. Can, this is what administration says. You can't discuss. They can't discuss it with us. Um, the it's supposed to come up. Uh, it, it came up last year. I think it. I think. I don't know. No one's been able to tell me. I think it might have been extended a year because it, the decision didn't go to council. The decision goes to council when it's a long-term contract. So I'm hoping that a long-term so, uh, solution will come here. I've been trying now all those years with the very dedicated people that stood with me to, to do something about it. So I'm hoping we can get something on a, a long-term basis. Like the city needs to plan 20, 30 years or, or more in advance, and that's a kind of a political thing that's concerned me. I, there may be some plans there, but I don't see them, right? As a, as a taxpayer, I don't see that we've got a plan for our city for a long term, and we need that. And there are a few things, like we have an official community plan and so on, And but where's the long term thing? You know, we've, we're, we just are tearing, going to tear down a swimming pool that was built in the 80s. Well. I have a stake in that too, helping design programs for elementary school kids. But why? We got pools in Vancouver that are almost 100 years old. In Victoria, we still have those things. So, so where's our plan? And it's an issue that's bigger than me. And I'm I'm so old now. It's kind of tough to to take on some more projects. And and I have a wife and that really needs my time. And she'll re she'll play this podcast umpteen times now to remind me that I said <laughs> this because I said this at Kelly Road too. It's your time now, dear. But she's taking notes, just and, watching. Yeah, and I get off on another other tangents, you know. And yeah. so when I retired, um, got involved in that because I wrote that little note for her. And then I, I looked after a office building with a bunch of my buddies uh, and had uh, shares in and I had 5%. <laughs> so I looked after that for a few years, got to interact with a lot of nice people, did some great good stuff like that. And, and through that, I ended up talking and got a tenant, the um, Prince George Council Seniors as a tenant in the building. Since then, uh, the directors talked me into getting on the board of directors and stuff. So I do a little things like that. I love to spend time with my grandkids. I like to do physical things too, so I help build houses and stuff for my kids and help them with doing those kind of things. Still make it back to the boxing ring every once in a while? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, <laughs> got to keep my nose in shape. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, just this entire podcast conversation has been a blast from the past, a reflection, and you know, just thinking about events at Kelly Road over the years like shenanigans. I was talking to Donnie Marchuk about that earlier and the burger bash that you mentioned, the the grad fashion show, uh, the gym riots, the pep rallies, oh, just, yeah. just so many yeah. amazing memories. The milk run and Kelly Road's prominence in, in that annual event. I have a, a, a quote here and the quote is from a, a former student, uh, Marty Anderson, I'm just gonna read it out to you. So, after several years of climbing to the top of the proverbial school food chain with a quote, easy principle, the legend that is Don Chamberlain came to KRSS for our grad year to straighten us all out. Part myth, part enigma. Mr. Chamberlain's tough guy reputation made anyone who drew the principal's watchful eye tread carefully. Fortunately for us, 
Mr. Chamberlain's toughness was only matched by his genuine care for his student success and well-being. Thank you for being one of the absolute highlights of my five years at Kelly Road Secondary School. That's from Marty Anderson. Well, that's very nice. Thank you, Marty. <laughs> and I have one more story <laughs> here from a, another past student. The year was winding down, and one of our teachers told us, I can't tell you to skip today, but your grades are finalized and there's nothing more to learn in this course. If you have somewhere else you'd rather be, then go. Of course, us students vamoosed because honestly, we'd rather be anywhere but school. My friend Graham and a couple of other students happened to get caught in the hallway and we were drugged down to the principal's office. Mr. Chamberlain and then VP, Mr. Timoyen? Timoyen, yeah. Timoyen? Robin, yeah. Sat everybody down and said, We've had a real rash of skipping lately, so we need to make an example out of you students for the younger grades. You are all being suspended, and unfortunately, that means you will not be able to graduate with your friends this year. This was literally two days before graduation. Mr. Chamberlain and the vice principal obviously saw the horrified reaction on our faces, and they couldn't keep a straight face any longer and gave into laughter to the point of tears. They played a prank on us, they got us, they won this way. Best grad prank ever by a principal. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> that's, that's, that's an interesting story, you know. And you, you, you do things and you say things and you don't remember everything. You don't remember that one either? No, thank the, goodness. A, a wall <laughs> blows out in the school yeah. and you don't remember. No, no, I'm no, like, no. my own legend is just greatly diminished. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> The brain cells start to the brain cells start to go. I gotta I gotta find Mr. Misselbrook and ask him if he remembers me. Absolutely, you got a few people to reach out to, Dave. That list is growing. But yeah, how are you going to do the rest of these things that you're involved in every day, young man? Yeah, well, God. So I'm going to let Dave wrap up the podcast with the final question, and it's it's a question that we ask all of our guests. But before we do that, I'm going to rattle off a quick thirty seconds of Kelly Road facts. Some of them might be new to you. Some of them you might know. So, Kelly Road facts. The first two Apple computers at Kelly Road were called Adam and Eve. <laughs> right? <laughs> Kelly Road was the first high school to have Saturday school and the first to instigate an anti-bullying program. Yeah, Saturday school, we said, I said, kids are truant, right? They're, they're skipping school. Why are we suspending them and giving them more of what they want? Let's start Saturday school. We gave them assignments. They had to do them. We gave assignments when we uh, when we sent kids home on tr on uh, suspension. We started doing that because it's not a holiday. They needed to learn, and they they responded. The, the attendance at the school was phenomenal yeah. over the years. It went from uh, high 80s to almost 100 percent. Sounds like a logical solution to yep. me. Yep. Sorry, sorry for interrupting. No, no, that's a good, good feedback. In 1986, Mr. Austin sponsored a Monty Python's Flying Circus Club. <laughs> okay, Pardon Mr. Me. Brown used to single-handedly play the seniors, girls' volleyball team and will. And, and win. And win. And win. Yeah. Well, yep. at least until he got too old in the the early 2000s. Tammy Maida, who became famous for quarterback in a boys football team in Oregon, was a student at Kelly Road Secondary in the early 1980s. Yep. A TV movie was made about her life called Quarterback Princess. Absolutely, yep. Wow. When slave days were still allowed, Mr. McRae offered to be auctioned off. He was required by his master to carry a sign that said, Mr. McRae's cross-dressing. 
<laughs> okay. I've got those stories too. <laughs> <laughs> Two of the business managers, Bertha Turner and Cynthia Mangan, recall that bats were a problem in the, the 1990s at Kelly Road. Mostly in the summer months, a few would cluster in the walls at the old part of the building, flying down the hallway, start scaring the office staff and anyone who was there. It is illegal to kill bats, so the challenge was how to contain them. The school district employees would seal off any cracks or joints to prevent these creatures from inhibiting human areas. Finally, one of the maintenance people decided to build a bat house and place it on the roof. The story goes that he would drive out to the school in the evenings to see if his bat house was occupied or to see if there was a no vacancy sign posted. Don't know about that part, but I know about the bats. I can tell you lots <laughs> of bat stories. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the last fact here was that you were just one, oh, here it is. The last fact is Mr. Chamberlain was one hell of a principal at Kelly Road, and he should be proud of all the great work he did. Thank you very much. Final question, question, Mr. Mothis. You oh. have to tell us or pick, think about if you could meet or talk to any Canadian, living or dead, uh, anywhere in the country, who would you want to talk to? Who's inspired you and you'd love to have a conversation with? I'd say Carey Price. Good answer. Um, I'm, I'm a sports nut. He's a football nut. player, right? Absolutely. He plays golf in Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, right. you know that. <laughs> He's a phenomenal guy. Um, um, how he deals with community and uh, sponsors and does so many things for people. And I think I'm proud of things that, that I've done and I'm quietly proud of it. And I, I think that's the way he is. Um, what he's done for the indigenous and indigenous youth and all youth across Canada and everybody across Canada. I don't think he sits back and says, um, I'm indigenous, I'm going to do this for indigenous people. I think that he just does his job. He quietly goes about it and he's made phenomenal sacrifices from his dad flying him from Anaheim Lake into play hockey in Quinell and, uh, and growing up as a kid. and. He inspires me, and I think he inspires youth. And to me, that's really important because youth is our future. And if I could meet him, that would be something. Um, I, I know he was in Cologne the other day because I saw a news thing where they interviewed him. And one day, maybe I'll get to see him. And and uh, I went through Anaheim Lake with my grandson on our way to Balakula to go hiking and stuff like that because we both enjoy the outdoors. and. Uh, I was hoping he was around there, but I'm, I'm kind of a quiet guy too. I, I, I may not sound it when I'm doing things, but uh, I don't know if, if I saw him, I'd walk up and talk to him and tell him how much I admire him. And and, and the, my memory is, like I just told you earlier, uh, the brain cells go and sometimes the the disc goes into a different place and it'll bring, it'll bring back a memory or whatever. And so uh, I would really, I really look up to him for what he's doing for youth and and his the indigenous community. I I can't say enough about that. Fantastic. And on that note, Mr. Chamberlain, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having this conversation with us. And uh, you're blessed that we got to sit down and talk with you, man. I'm really happy about this. And I know everybody from Kelly Road is going to be happy to watch this. And well, the feeling's mutual, guys. I've already told you. Um, what what I see in our grads is what I what I uh, expect, expected from them. And uh, 
I have high expectations for myself, and I have high expectations for for everybody I know, and I. I'm proud to be able to say that to, to you guys and congratulate you guys on what the phenomenal jobs you're doing for our community. Thanks, Mr. Chamberlain. That's just the kind of person you are, right? We're sending compliments your way and you deflect them and, and start talking about the students and, and how great they were. So thank you for everything you've done. Thank you, Andrew, for all your great work behind the scenes. And thank you, Selen Alfe, great, great person who's responsible for this podcast even happening. Wouldn't, wouldn't happen without him. So. Thanks, Don. Thank you very much, boys. Good job.